The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion by Dr. Brad Bittner, Associate Professor of New Testament at Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this chapel message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474, wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. We're continuing this morning in our series on Thursdays this semester in the Epistle to James. So if you'd like to open to James chapter 1, that's where our scripture reading will come from. We've had a, a wonderful start, I think, haven't we, to our morning devotions this year. And last week, Dr. Estelle led us into this letter uh, and gave us great comfort and encouragement as he did so. And then this past Tuesday, uh, uh, we had a wonderful message exhorting us to prayer. And so in some ways, I think our passage that we have before us this morning is going to build on both of those things. But before we read it, uh, let me ask God's help for us to understand this. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Christ, your Son, our Savior, our Mediator, who makes it possible to come before you with confidence, with boldness, and with joy. And we do that this morning. We ask that as we open your word, you would give us understanding, that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that you would open our minds to receive what it is that you have to teach us. And we pray that we would receive that with joy and that you would help us to grow in our Christian maturity so that we'd be of service to you. We pray this in Christ's name for his glory. Amen. Uh, Let's read now from God's word. James chapter 1. I'll begin at verse 2 and I'll read until verse 11. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Thus far, God's own word. For our meditation this morning on this passage, I want to just ask, what's the central idea here in these verses, especially verses 5 to 11? I think think it leaps out at us. It's a repeated exhortation, a repeated command there, Uh, Two times we get it in verse 5 and in verse 6. It's ask, ask, petition, ask the Lord. And what are we to ask for? Verse 5, we're to ask the Lord for wisdom. Why? What's this doing here? There's a lot of debate about the structure and the flow of the letter to James. 
Uh, and although we can't solve that this morning, we do need to point out there are so many seeds sown here in the opening verses of chapter 1 that are going to sprout as we work our way through this, this little book, this little letter over the course of the semester. And there are connections here for us, I think. Why are we to ask for wisdom? Well, we heard from Dr. Estelle last week, one of those reasons in verses 2 and 4. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when what? When you meet trials. Why? Because trials, if we understand them properly from the perspective that God's giving us in his word, are working in us a kind of steadfastness, an endurance. We might even translate that, I think, in context as a spiritual resilience. And that, that spiritual resilience is ultimately going to help us to grow unto perfection, that is, unto Christian maturity, the Christian maturity that God desires for us. And that's where we left off in verse 4. But verse 4 also ended in that little phrase, lacking in nothing. And how is it that verse 5 begins? If any of you lacks wisdom. I think it's as if James is saying to us, you're going to need wisdom. Trust me. You will be lacking wisdom. And so you need to know what to do. You need to know to ask for wisdom, because without this wisdom that we're going to explore this morning, there's no way that you'll have the right perspective to consider it, to think about, to reflect on what it is that God is bringing into your life and to count it all joy. Without this wisdom, there's no way that you'll have the perspective God is offering you so that you can see that he's working in you this spiritual resilience and that everything that he brings into your life is there to help you grow up into Christian maturity. You need wisdom. You're going to be lacking wisdom, so ask for it. So the preceding context sets us up for uh, our passage today. We need to ask for wisdom. And we had some wonderful scenarios, very sobering and, and helpful scenarios laid out for us last week by Dr. Estelle. You know what these are like, these scenarios of suffering, of death, of illness, of depression, and I wanted to share with you one uh, that has struck me as I've reflected on this passage. Many of you know that I, uh, I attend and work at Misión Villanueva here in town, a PCA church plant that is a Spanish language church plant. And uh, my wonderful and dear brother, Reverend Juan Arjona, who is a graduate of this institution, has been a real example to me over the past year of what verses 2 to 4 command us to do, to consider it all joy no matter what trials come our way. Uh, my brother Juan was going in for heart surgery last December, and as soon as he got out of surgery, within days, he was diagnosed with lymphoma and cancer. So he's not even recovered yet. And he gets this double whammy. And so for the last nine months, he's been undergoing chemotherapy. And uh, he's also my, my next-door neighbor. And so we get to get together from time to time and talk and pray. And Juan has been a wonderful example to me of the kind of wisdom that God gives to someone who is undergoing these kinds of trials in a very heavy and a very real way and is able to maintain the proper theological perspective on those trials. And it's been a real gift to pray with that brother, to learn from him, to watch him as he has suffered physically, as he's had to step back uh, right as our congregation was on the, 
on the verge of some exciting things, he's had to fade away for nine months. And it's also been a spur to me to think about the need for wisdom in new ways. How do you keep a congregation going when the pastor of that congregation is out of commission significantly for almost a year? Oh, pray, and you ask the Lord for wisdom to know what to do. So the preceding context, I think, really pushes us to think about this need that we will have, that we do have, to ask the Lord for wisdom so that we can grow up in Christian maturity. But I've already, I've already hinted at what I think the following context also does in pushing us to this petition. I think as we read on in James 1, and especially in James 2, and we find ourselves listening in to the midst of this assembly, this, this early church, where the rich and the poor are there together, and, and you need to know how to grapple with all kinds of different people and the dynamics that emerge and the tensions that emerge in church life, guess what? You're going to need wisdom. You're going to need wisdom not just for your own Christian maturity, but you're going to need wisdom for Christian ministry as well. I think that's another horizon for us in the book of James. Some of you have already served internships. Some of you have been given responsibilities in church life, and maybe you know what this is like. Maybe you know you're sitting in your office, someone comes in to have a conversation. Maybe it's scheduled, maybe it's not, and they drop a complete bombshell on you. And you think, Lord, what do I do? What do I even say to this? I need wisdom here. Wisdom beyond what I, I have never expected this, especially from this person. Well, what about those situations that all of us know? And if, if you don't know these yet, by the way, it'll just, just give it a few years, and you will know them. The situation where you've got complex layers of relational tension going on in your ministry. You know, and it seems like it should be so simple. You, you should be able to say to this brother, just, just forgive him. Just let it go. And you should be able to say to this brother or this sister, just humble yourself and remember how much you've been forgiven in Christ. It, theologically, it works, right? It should be very simple, and yet it's very complex and very painful with real people and real tension in the real ministries that we're going to face. And so if you haven't been there yet, you will be. You're going to be on your knees saying to the Lord, Lord, I don't know what to do. I have no idea what the next step is here. You've got to help me. You've got to give me the wisdom here because I don't have what it takes in this situation. So I think the preceding context and the following context give us, give us direction as to why we will so desperately need the wisdom that we're talking about in verse 5 and following. We need wisdom from God. And this is not, by the way, just wisdom... Uh, uh, we think of wisdom, we think of Proverbs, perhaps, and we think of that proverb that I've known since, you know, a young boy, uh, that a, a gray head is a head of wisdom, right? Um, oh, that that were automatically true. I'd be wiser and wiser every year. Although what that means for a head with no hair, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so sure. Does that mean extra? No, I won't go there. Those in the room. It's not merely like experience. It's not just creational wisdom, the kind of wisdom that you do gain by growing older, month by month, year by year. There's a wisdom there. 
There's a wisdom that comes from experience. That's not what our passage is talking about here. It's also not, it's not merely that. It's also not merely the wisdom that comes from education and learning and knowledge, as great as that is. You've got to have theological wisdom. You've got to be able to know the gospel so that you can apply Christ's work and the grace of God in these situations and in your own life. But that's not all that James is talking about here. How do I know that? Because he's going to talk about this kind of wisdom again in chapter 3. And one of my colleagues is going to dig into this even more deeply. But very briefly, chapter 3, verse 17 tells us, this is not just ordinary wisdom. This is wisdom from above. The wisdom that God gives. A wisdom that helps you know how to take that theological truth, how to take your life experience, and how to apply it gently, with circumspection, and properly in this scenario, either for ourselves or for the people we minister to. It's a wisdom that comes from above. It's a spiritual wisdom. And that's why it's a wisdom that can only come by divine gift. So there's a wisdom that we need for Christian maturity and for Christian ministry. And the wisdom that we need, and this is, this is very good news in our passage this morning, the wisdom that we need, that very wisdom, is exactly the wisdom that God promises to give. The wisdom we need is what God gives. Look at verse 5. Who is our God, according to our text? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who, here he comes, gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Who's our God? If we are in Christ, if we are his sons and his daughters, beloved by him because of what Christ has done, God is to us, God is to you, a generous giver. And not just a generally generally generous giver, if I can get it out. Uh, we're told that in other parts of Scripture, uh, Luke's Gospel, elsewhere. God is a God who loves to give good gifts to his children. He loves to give his spirit to his children. But there's a very particular gift that our passage is focusing on, and that's the spiritual divine wisdom for these scenarios, these situations that we will face. God is a generous giver. He's an, he's an open-handed giver. He's an unstinting giver. That's what the language here in verse 5 is trying to drive home to us. When it says he doesn't give, he, or he gives without reproach, what does that mean? It means that God's not reluctant. We don't have to we don't have to try to manipulate him so that he'll give us this wisdom that we need. He's open and ready to give us this wisdom. He, and he's not manipulative in the way that he gives. You know what I mean. Sometimes people give you a gift, but they're giving you a gift so they can get something back in return. That's not our God. He gives generously and freely and in great love. God is not a God who gives in a way that demeans the one that he gives to. That's also, I think, a connotation of the terminology that's used in verse 5 here. He's not going to give to you in a way that says, well, yeah, okay, fine. I gave you last week, gave you last month, but okay, here, here you go. And you walk away receiving what you asked for, but feeling really awful. That's not our God. Our God gives with a smile. Our God gives generously, and he gives wisdom to his children, eagerly, 
freely and warmly. That's what verse 5 is teaching us. So if that's who our God is, and we know we need wisdom, how do we ask for it? How do we ask? Verse 6, we ask him in faith. We ask in faith. We come to him trusting as his children. We come to him trusting in Christ as our mediator, the one who has done everything necessary to give us the right to ask that we don't have ourselves. And we ask in faith for the wisdom that we need. And by the way, this doesn't have to be a perfect faith. Verses 7 and 8 talk about asking without doubting. Um, There's a lot of lexical, that is, word choice debate about the terminology that's used here. Uh, Come and talk to me if you want to get into the nitty-gritty. Here's, I'm going to cut through that and tell you my minority report, okay? I think this is what's going on. The same term that James uses here, he's going to use again in chapter 2, verse 4. And there, it's translated as it is almost everywhere else. It talks about making discriminations. And in verse 4 of chapter 2, it's talking about the person, the person who makes worldly discriminations, worldly judgments, who looks at the rich man and says, ah, I'm going to spend some time there. I'm going to welcome them and elevate them. And who looks at the poor, the homeless, the shabby, and ignores them. That kind of worldly discrimination. Same term here in verses 7 and 8. So this is what I think James is getting at. We come and we ask in faith, and it doesn't have to be a pure faith, it doesn't have to be a perfect faith, because of course, uh, that's, that's not something we can generate, is it? Rather, I think he's saying, ask, as one commentator puts it, with a persistent trust and expectation that God will answer. Ask, that is, humbly, not proudly. Ask in a way that comes to the Lord for everything. Nothing's too small. Nothing's too great. There's nothing that you're going to ask God for wisdom in this situation, and he's going to say to you, no, I think think you can get that on your own. Thank you very much. You didn't need to bother me for that. Ask ask, uh, without discrimination to the, the context, the situation, and don't ask in a worldly way. Ask in faith. I think that's at the heart of what these verses are telling us. You come to God with trust, and you say, Lord, I need wisdom. I need your wisdom here. And God says, he will give it to you. It will be given to you. The wisdom that we need is the wisdom that God promises to give us. He gives wisdom for Christian maturity in every circumstance that we're facing now or that you will face in your own life. There's terminology at the end of this uh, section which is really fascinating. And uh, I don't have the time to to go fully into verses 10 and 11, but uh, you, you read there about the sobering reality that life will come to an end. Even in the midst of the rich man's pursuits, it can be very sudden when this happens. And that when that happens, it's like a flower withering. Well, There's a Greek gravestone, which I think sums up a lot of what this passage is after. And it uses the same terminology that we find here in verses 10 and 11. It's a tragic one. It's a gravestone for a little girl. Uh, It's just got five lines. It was found somewhere in modern-day Albania. It's got a little relief, two lines above the relief, three lines under. The first two lines just say this. A flower, 10 years old, 
Farewell, Philotes. That was her name, little girl. And then underneath the relief, as a fragrant rose you appeared, but quickly you withered. You hear those same terms? She was like a flower that withered. Same terms that James is using here. Brothers and sisters, what if that's, what if that's your little girl? What do you ask the Lord for? Cry out for wisdom. Wisdom for endurance. Wisdom to trust. Wisdom that the Lord would give you that spiritual resilience that you need for Christian maturity. What if it's the little girl of the couple sitting across from you in your office that you minister to, that you love? You cry out, don't you? Lord, give us wisdom. Give us your wisdom. We need a spiritual wisdom to know how to work through this situation. And no matter what it is that you face in your own growth and Christian maturity, in your own Christian ministry, this text tells us that in Christ and by faith, you can draw near to your Heavenly Father and cry out, Lord, give me spiritual wisdom. We will give it to you. So in light of our need and in light of who God is, ask, ask, do what the text says. Pray for wisdom. Petition the Lord for wisdom. Whether you're suffering, whether you're confused, when you feel inadequate, ask in faith, ask humbly, ask in Christ's name and by his merits. Ask your God who gives generously this wisdom from above, and he will give it to you. Let's give him thanks and pray. Lord God, we do come to you so grateful that you have revealed yourself as this kind of God for us, to us, as your children in Christ. And we pray that you would give us the faith to come to you daily, hour by hour, in fact, to cry out to you for the spiritual wisdom which is from above that only you can give us, and that you would help us, grow us, support us, Give us the perspective that we need in every circumstance that you bring into our lives. Give us, Lord, the wisdom that we lack on our own in the ministries to which you call us. Help us to know that we can call upon you when we don't know what to do and that you will answer us generously and freely. And we will give you all the glory and all the praise. In Christ's name, amen. Copyright 2022, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.